Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time. So... Welcome back, Blanket Huggers, to another installment of Fearscape FM here on 100.9 WCHQ-FM. All local spooky. All local time spooky. That's right. I'm Stefan Gearhart, and I'm joined by my co-host, as usual, Mr... Uh, Hi, I'm Brad McQuarrie. I have a cool Scottish last name that I take a lot of pride You always have questions. I do. That's actually what's great about my last name is I question everything, and it <laughs> everything. drives you up the wall. It does. Hey, do you sure our openings should sound like this? Hey, oh, are, do does, your, does your job use one-ply toilet paper as well? Do you well? think it should be blanket huggers or blanky huggers? Or should it be blanky smugglers? We're going to steal blankets. We're going to smuggle blankets. Uh, no, that, I have that, no issue with that. We're yeah, I don't blankets. either. Um, I, I love snuggling and smuggling blankets. <laughs> Just but don't anyways, strangle blankets. We are uh, we are going to do another installment of our ghosts of Kentucky counties. You're welcome. And uh, the county that got picked tonight is ooh, not ooh, in ooh, alphabetical can I say, order. Can I, can I say? Can I say? What? Can I say where it is? Yeah. I already forgot. It's Monroe County. Yeah, Monroe. Monroe. Or Monroe County, Kentucky. This is down in southern Kentucky. If it was pronounced Roman, it would be a Jamaican. County. Roman. And this is a county that is on the Tennessee-Kentucky border. Oh, cool. Where I'm from. Uh, yeah, so there's lots of cool stuff down there. Uh, but oh, yeah, we're gonna, we got a number of different ghost stories. We're busting out some stories again from the Ghosts Across Kentucky book by William Linwood Montell. You're welcome. Uh, as well as, <laughs> no, Ben Hagen, thank you. Um, we have some stories from some other places as well. Uh, but before we get into that, let's get into a little creepy ketchup. All right, here we are with creepy ketchup where we kind of share with each other what creepiness <laughs> has happened over the past week, if any at all. Has anything uh, odd, strange, or spooky happened to you lately? I heard a big explosion in the middle of the night. Really? That was uh, that was interesting. It was... So when I've talked about... I don't know if I've talked about it here on the on the FM show here on WCHQ, uh, but I know on my podcast, our podcast, I've talked about it, uh, about how before I go into sleep paralysis, I hear like the static mm-hmm. or like the popping sound. Well, this was not that. Sonic boom. This is what it, that is what it sounded like. I was, um, it was just, it was the night before we had like those wind, real bad winds, like a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. and I'm laying in bed. I wake up real suddenly and I hear this just sounds like a, Oh, man, it sounds like a Doctor Strange movie. And I go, what the expletive? My dog didn't hear it. Wife didn't hear it. Cat didn't hear it. So I'm just sitting up in bed like, really? Nobody's going to react to this? <laughs> Here we go Nobody? again. And I was, so I looked out the window, and I saw like kind of like a green haze, like kind of over. We, we live down in kind of like a valley, mm-hmm. so everything's uphill from us. So up towards where the electrical plant is, lg and I saw like a green haze. So I'm wondering if like one of their reactors might have like discharged. Mm, this is the second instance weird thing you've had around centered around lg and Yeah, I almost moved into a house by there when we first bought a house. Glad I didn't because I feel like I'd be abducted by now. Yeah, I told you I lived down by the one down off Dixie Highway, down by the county line. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. You can see that from your house? Oh, yeah. Because isn't there two of them right along there? Like one along like River Road or something? I mean, honestly, the LGE plant is so huge, 
it looks like there's two plants, but it's one plant. Yeah, well, the I was literally like the viaduct was next to my house where the trains went into LG and E. Yeah, like it was bright in my room. It was awful. Yeah, so don't know what it was, but it it spooked me. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I had, and then another... I was kidnapped by a Sasquatch. Oh well, that's an everyday thing. Yeah, that's it, it doesn't count when it happens all the time, and you yeah. agree to go. That's true. Uh, well, no, I had another spooky um, night hack. Oh, really? Me. This was actually happened last night. Uh, I was lying in bed and I woke up per usual, couldn't uh-huh. move, and uh, of course my brain was like, "Don't see a hag! Don't see a hag! Don't see a hag!" And I'm looking forward. Hey, where there's is it? Nothing there. I'm looking to the left. There's nothing there. Looking to the right. Dog sleeping. Wife <laughs> sleeping. I'm thinking. Nice. I'm just going to be in some sleep paralysis. Sweet. And then my eyeballs look upwards into the oh, ceiling. No. And there's this black creature that almost like is shaped like an orangutan because it has really long arms. And it's hanging from my ceiling fan and spinning. Like it's got its hand <laughs> on one or two blades. But here's the creepy part. The head didn't move. Whoa. So it's just like the head and the two red eyes, as usual, the boiling, scary red eyes staring at me as like the body is the body spinning. is spinning, but yeah. the head is staying. And so like locked. I can see the red eyes like skip each time the arm goes past its eyes. Oh, I don't like that. It was so creepy, dude. And I'm just like, no. Go, 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 go. Somebody and wake so up. I just said, screw it. I'm closing my eyes until I fall <laughs> back asleep because. Don't want to look at that no more, and that's exactly what I did. I finally just fell back asleep and woke up, and everything was okay because that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. But it had really long arms, like really long arms. It always seems like that you have these episodes the night before we record. It's like your brain goes into this, well, I've been doing all right lately. Yeah. Sure, hope a night hag doesn't show up. And then the night hag hears you like, oh, really? You mm-hmm. sure hope I don't show up? Fall asleep. Yeah. I'll show you what's Fall up. Fall asleep. I'll show you what's good. So, yeah, that's that That was my creepy catch-up. And uh, <laughs> I would prefer a week with nothing because um, that one really boggled me. Like Boggled? Yeah, it was it was weird. It could have bobbled you like bobblehead. Nope, nope. Could have bobbled your head. Nope, because I feel like now I'm going to see a bobblehead <laughs> night hag, and that's going to freak me out. It's just going to be do. bouncing like, I really hope you get a bobblehead night hag. It would be a great story. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's creepy catch up. So I'm just going to go ahead and slide right into to spooky news. Slide on in. Yeah, we need spooky. to get right into spooky news because I got lots of cool ghost stories uh, okay. from Monroe County. But the cool like thing ghosts. is, what? is my spooky news comes from Monroe County. So I feel like that's cheating. Here we are. Spooky <laughs> news. <laughs> So like I said, we got a story that comes from Monroe County, Kentucky. Uh, it's really interesting. I'm just going to tell you the name of it. I got this from CryptoZoologyNews.com. Ooh, can I guess the name? Yeah. Is it Sasquatch Buys Another Farm? Who will have a farm now? Sasquatch Taking Over Land? Sasquatch 2020? Close. Oh, close. It says, Legendary Dogman or Bigfoot Captured on Video in Kentucky. I was like a quarter right. You were a quarter <laughs> right. So in Monroe County, Kentucky, a man has released the images of a creature he believes could be either the legendary Dogman or Ooh. Bigfoot. Now, I've seen the pictures. I've yeah. seen the video. <sighs> like anything. It real, real fuzzy. Yeah, it's really stuff. fuzzy. There's definitely something there. I'll try to post that video. Um, but Just put it on the Instagram filter because I've actually been using that lately Ooh. to look at like photos and yeah, shots. I'll try to find the photos and put it on Instagram, but I'll try to get the video link because he has a whole video. Yeah, because you up. can like unshade stuff on there. Their, yeah. their filter system is actually really good. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Kentucky and Kirk Stokes has been looking for cryptids and uploading his findings to YouTube since 2012. So okay. kind uh, to skeptics, Seven this years. would already be a red flag, mm-hmm. but not to me. Uh, he says, most of all my videos are uncut and unedited. 
edited. That way people can see it as I saw it. He explains he started his YouTube channel to show people the different creatures he has seen throughout the years. He says like Bigfoot, Dogman, UFOs, or other cryptids that are traditionally seen in Kentucky. I feel like we get a lot of UFOs around the Kentucky-Tennessee border. For sure. For sure. Uh, he says his most recent video contains definitely either the Dogman or some, or as he puts it, some type of squatch. Some type of squatch. Stealing my squash. Mm-hmm. Part of the new footage, which he said he did not want to release in its entirety because he is waiting for someone else to break it down for him, shows the movie stills the moment he reportedly noticed the moving creature hiding behind the green vegetation in an undisclosed location of the bluegrass state. That's interesting. He says, it was in motion. It's broken down into clips off my camera. I was in this area and I got his guy on film. If you watch it frame by frame, it's a lot clearer, specifies Stokes. You can see the eye sockets, the nose, kind of see some ears. You can make out facial features. I want to say dog man, but down this area, it's possible it could be a squatch. Uh, Stokes also believes the alleged <laughs> creature is a female. Stop. <laughs> and he says, he says in this, he says, folks, it's not a hog. He replies to some That's curious <laughs> viewers pointing out the possibility of animal misidentification. Her eyes are opening and closing. It was kind of creepy looking. It's kind of a creepy area already, and I know it's a female, and I'm leaning more towards Squatch. Look at the eye sockets. I can't take this. And he said he will be releasing the entire video soon. I want to see the entire video. Right. And so but, I, I, I did a little research on Dogman. Uh, I, I was never... really hoping you did a little bit of research, too, on how people in Monroe County talk. <laughs> Well, I did. That's why I did that. Okay. Um, I'll be doing that throughout the entirety of this. Uh, <laughs> so if you guys want to go ahead and skip ahead to the end where we just do the listener story. <laughs> yeah. But it's live, so you can't. It's live. Uh, anyways. Live. So I looked at the, uh, the, the dog man. So the dog man is a cryptid reputed to live in the northwestern quadrant of Michigan's lower peninsula, as well as many different locations in Kentucky. The beast was first reported to have been seen in 1887 by two lumberjacks who described oh, wow. it as having a human body and the head of a dog. That's, that's interesting that it goes back that far. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Goatman's pet. Goatman's pet. Or Goatman's homie. They just hang out. They, Near they the do. trains. They just they just hang loose. Is there a train trestle in Monroe County? There's probably train trestles in every county. Man, that would be that would be perfect. Just goat man and dog man chilling out underneath the train trestle, sipping on a couple of Fagos, just hanging, you know? Yep. Um, <laughs> Anywho, so I do have another story. Uh, this one comes from our favorite place, Disclose.tv. Ooh. Uh, it's a it's a story. It says Arizona man sells his six point five million dollar ranch because of repeated alien attacks. Wait, is this Starlight Ranch? Stardust Ranch. Star. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking above. Okay. Wow, really? He's finally selling it. Yep. It wow. Says Arizona man puts property up for sale after being attacked by aliens. So interesting thing about this. Sorry to cut you off because I know you have the article and all that. But what's interesting about Stardust Ranch? This guy has been trying to sell this property for like twenty something years, and. Is it is it officially sold or is he just like really hustling now to get it sold? Uh, no, it says he sells it. Wow. That at least I don't know. We'll read a little further yeah. and see what happens. Um, says an American man has put his five million dollar ranch on the property market, claiming that he and his wife want to up sticks and move far away mm -hmm. from the place because they are sick of the regular visitations they receive from aggressive aliens. Dude, it's mainly the grays. Yeah. John Edmonds claims that ever since he and his wife Joyce moved into the horse ranch in Rainbow Valley, Arizona in 1995, they have been the victims of numerous attacks from extraterrestrials with sinister intentions. He claims that during his time living in the house, he has been forced into life or death battles with the alien creatures. This dude has killed aliens with swords. Yeah, we get to that. And there's some videos on him and everything that's really cool. Uh, John says a portal opened to the rear of his Arizona property. He says that one particularly bloody battle occurred after the aliens attempted to abduct his wife from her bed. They actually levitated her out of bed in the master chamber and carried her into the parking lot and tried to draw her up into the craft. Yeah. He claims that this particular incident prompted prompted a furious battle between himself and the aliens, which resulted in him killing 19 of them with a, a samurai sword. He's a freaking G. Yeah. 
John said that this was the aftermath of the gray, and it's a picture of blood and a samurai sword. Yes. Uh, On his Facebook page, he regularly updates his followers with stories of the bizarre alien activity centered on his ranch, including images of the wounds he claims to have incurred when battling the gray aliens. Wounds from recent attack here at Stardust Ranch, upper right calf from battle with malevolent E.T., he wrote in a photo caption once. This is why I want to move. Now, I know Stefan has his reserves on who I'm about to talk about here, but uh, Zach Bagans with Ghost Adventures, they did an episode on Stardust Ranch. It's season 12, episode 14. Dude, this this guy, he talks about it, and you can kind of tell the owner. You can tell when somebody's like fabricating mm-hmm. or creating a, t- a tale. This dude believes everything he is saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude's got samurai swords out. He, yeah. he claims that... Um, that uh, his and their wounds, bodies apparently disappear after they've been killed. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say that. He also says that um, he displayed the the samurai sword in a pool of blood of what appears to be dried blood. He claimed that this blood belonged to one of the aliens that he killed when he and his wife were attacked. However, he said that even the samurai sword wasn't a completely effective weapon against the marauding visitors. He said unless you cut the head off and disconnect the antennae, they instantly phone what? home. Even with a razor-sharp sword, it's nearly impossible to, to decapitate them with one swing. Jeez. So the 9.67-acre horse ranch in Rainbow Valley in Arizona is on the market at $6.5 million. Uh, I'm going to go get my checkbook. I want to battle some greys. <laughs> or at least have dinner with them. Yeah. Uh, or both. Or both. Battle over dinner. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much every night with my wife. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. care. Fight. Choose. Finish Fight. her. <laughs> Well, last night we actually came to an agreement, went to Banditos, and it was awesome. Ooh. Uh, anywho, that has been Spooky News. Harsh, broken news. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been joking that I do A to B to C to D to E to F and all that jazz. But, man, you know, I was just looking through the different counties, and I just found some cool stuff with Monroe County and just decided, let's do her. Well, I... Uh... I want you to tell me about it. Or or I can or I can just leave in the room and you can just talk to yourself. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you about it. Yay. And it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, so the first story that I have is probably the most famous story in Monroe County. Uh, this one comes from prairieghosts.com, uh, as well Love as a it. number of different websites that I found, too, with different stories or iterations, because everybody knows this story. Um, but it's the story of the woman of Meshack Road. Ooh. And this happens in Tompkinsville, Kentucky. Lay it on me, baby. There is an old road that runs along a small creek outside of Tompkinsville that has long been called the Meshack Road. The small town of Tompkinsville itself is located in the south-central part of Kentucky, just a few miles north of the Tennessee border. It is an old and remote area, and stories of ghosts and haints, as they refer to them, are common. For many years, people have been reporting variations of the vanishing hitchhiker story associated with this road. The story goes that two young men were on their way to a local dance one evening when they picked up an attractive young woman along the Meshack Road. She was wearing a formal dress and they invited her along to the dance with them. She accepted and spent the evening dancing with both of them. She agreed to let the boys drive her home, but only if she could be let out at a certain spot. It was raining when they left the dance and one of the boys offered her his coat. He told her that he would pick it up later. They dropped the girl off at a small house along Meshack Road and a few days later, the boy went back to pick up his coat. He asked for the girl and the woman of the house told him that she had once had a daughter but she had died in a horrible car accident on the road. She told the boy where she was buried and he went to the churchyard to find his coat sitting right next to her grave. There is another phantom also connected to this road, and it too is along the lines of a mysterious hitchhiker. It seems that for many years, travelers along this road have reported that an invisible presence often can be felt clinging tightly to the waist of a horse or a motorcycle rider. This specter holds on to the rider's waist for about a mile before it disappears. No one has ever been able to suggest an explanation for this phenomenon. So we've got a classic story. Yeah. You know, a you know, the I'm sure if we really dug into it, I'm sure there was like, oh, she was wearing white. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's just incredible that they picked her up, took her to a dance, mm-hmm. actually spent time with her and all that stuff, and took her back to the drop-off, quote-unquote, location, and that's it. Yeah, and then they were able to find that coat. They were able to find that coat besides the grave. Wow. That's just... That would, man, that would freak me out. I, I'm like, in so my, my knowledge on like the paranormal, I'm sitting here trying to dissect it. I'm like, well, is that is that intelligent? Is it... Uh, I forgot the other one. Residual? Residual. I was going to say reputable for some reason. Um, I would say it's intelligent. If she's dancing with them... But it must have limitations. Well, I mean, it can leave its location if it was able to go dancing with them. Yeah, it's true. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a Cinderella thing where it has to return to its quote-unquote pumpkin or site of its death hmm. by That's a certain time or it can't pass on. Yeah, I don't know. That's... This is clearly just us theorizing here. Well, that's all we can do. But the horse one is interesting. Yeah, the horse slash motorcycle. Yeah. It says that they feel like a presence holding them back. Yeah, no, not holding them back, but like... Like holding on to it? Yeah, like they're riding behind them on a motorcycle or on a horse. Like someone's so, holding them around the waist. I can't remember where it is. I, w- I want to say it's in the northeast somewhere. But there's a road that if you park on it, the and you put the vehicle in neutral the vehicle will start moving on its own uphill. That once again, that's another classic story. That's actually one. That's an urban legend that exists in a lot of places. Um, I grew up in Toledo and we had one that was very similar. There's one down here. I think Ed talked to us about it that even I think crybaby bridge Maybe has that same legend. Um, but there's other ones. There's other ones too. And so I don't know if that's just a product of um, spread urban legend yeah. or similar hauntings. One of the craziest ones I've seen is I actually watched somebody do an experiment with one where they put baby powder on the back window. I saw that. I saw that. And they actually found like handprints on it. Yeah, it was, was like a um uh like a crossing over train tracks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be like kids that had passed away. Yeah. What was that from? Ghost Adventures. Go No, yeah. I wouldn't have watched Ghost I Adventures. I remember Zach Baggins being Well then maybe they did, did it too. But that's that's where I saw the experiment. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, they actually like had like fingerprints on it." Yeah, whatever I had seen, the same thing happened. Um, maybe it was, maybe it was Ghost Adventures. But before um, you found distaste for Zach Baggins? No, I've always had distaste for him. Was it? Zach, was I it, like you. Was it during the day or at night? It was during the day. Yeah, day. dang it, maybe it was. <laughs> mm. Okay, well, photogenic Zach, memory. Zach, you've won this round, <laughs> but next time. Victory shall be mine. Yep. Just buy the ranch and you and him can have a showdown on the ranch. I would do that. <laughs> I, would, I would do that. I would love to see a reality TV with me and Zach Baker. Showdown on the ranch. <laughs> uh, you can get 10 seasons out of that. One night only. Stardust Ranch. No, we're not. Zach Baggins. <laughs> no. Stefan Gearhart. WCHQ sponsored. The Battle of the Greys. The, no, the Battle of the... Whoa. <laughs> Man, could you imagine Zach and Keanu Reeves having a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Wow. Let's get on there. So I've got another story. Um, so this one comes from the uh, William Linwood Montel book, uh, Ghosts Across Kentucky, which uh, Ben Hagen let me borrow that. We use quite a bit. He's, he basically went around to all these small towns and, and things like that and collected mm-hmm. just stories from folks. Oh, okay. And I love it because it's basically like a bunch of listener stories, and I really, yeah. really like it. I love listener um, stories and, and creepypastas. Yeah, I love that too. Uh, so this one is called the ghostly dog that haunts Golden Pond Woods. <laughs> the dog's just looking for a bone. Yeah. So anyways, it says, In the chilled night air of autumn, people in the vicinity of Golden Pond often report the ghostly howl of a lonely dog tortured by an early separation from his master. The howl has been heard for decades, since Paul Jackson was killed along with his inseparable dog after a drunken fight arose from a once-friendly game of cards. Ned Crawford was known for getting rowdy on whiskey, but he had never done anything like this. In a lonely cabin nestled deep in the woods, Crawford sunk his knife into Jackson's gut, spilling his blood on the dirt floor. When his loyal dog, Midnight, attacked Crawford's free arm, his throat was quickly slit with the sharp steel of the knife's blade. The moments after dumping the two lifeless bodies in a dark, murky pond, This would be Crawford's last freedom from the torture of conscience and punishment of man. The next night, Crawford stepped off of his porch to the echoing growl and glowing eyes of an angry dog. It was midnight, Jackson's trusty friend. 
But, Crawford thought, I killed that dog and dumped his body in the pond. Crawford's crime had escaped the eyes of man, but he could not escape the haunt of a large black dog that rose to save his master in his last moments of his life. Wherever he went, midnight would appear in the dark, growling, gritting his ferocious teeth. Fleeing westward to Missouri in the hopes of losing the spirit of the innocent slaughter, Crawford was dismayed to find midnight at his doorstep one stormy summer night. He had returned. There was no escaping the guilt of the murder he had committed. Crawford's guilt slowly drove him mad, sending him back to Golden Pond to life with his elderly mother. His mother soon worried herself to death over her son's complete silence and lack of any traits of the hard living rowdy man he had just been weeks before. Haunted by the dog Midnight at every turn, Crawford's life continued its downward spiral until one day, a local farmer took him in, putting him to work on the farm. On an evening horse ride before supper in the late summer, Willie Smith and his new farmhand encountered an eerie glow in the thicket near a pond deep in the woods. Midnight! Crawford screamed in fear. Slowly, the big black apparition walked toward the pond, disappearing in the murky waters. Soon, however, he arose with a bone and placed it square in front of Smith's horse, but it was no ordinary bone found in the mouth of the dog. It was the gleaming white bone of Jackson's left leg. Crawford cried out in anguish as Smith pulled bone upon bone from the muck. He could no longer take it. Crawford confessed to his hideous crime. He was to be locked away for the remainder of his days. And the last image in his mind as a free man was that of a large, ghostly black dog disappearing into the mist at the back corner of a crowded courtroom as the judge's gavel fell on Crawford's sentence. Justice had finally been served. Midnight could finally return to the side of a master he failed to protect on that chilling night so long ago. But as punishment for his failure, Midnight is forced to return to the pond every autumn to cry out in despair and warn others not to take the same path as Crawford. That is so metal. It's totally metal, dude. Jeez. I, oh man, see that just proves that dogs are man's best friend. They are truly the protectors. Yep. Wow, I want to go find Midnight and I just want to like chill with him at the lagoon or pond or whatever Pet it was. Pet him. Pet him and be like, look, I know you failed. And I know that you will live this life as a demonic he-hound that will never move on from this plane. But hey, I want you to know something. What you did is noble. And you can go ahead. Go towards the light. Go towards the light. Midnight. Midnight. Dude, I... You could write a book or a play or a movie. Oh, yeah. That would be a great one. A soliloquy. Mm Mm-hmm. So the next one that we have is from ghostsofamerica.com. This one is uh, someone wrote in this. Ooh. Uh, and so this one is called Log Cabin. Can I just say one more thing about Midnight? Yeah. I miss him already. Like, that story, you ever watch a movie and, like, that big noble thing happens that you didn't expect and, like, you feel the goosebumps and stuff? Mm-hmm. I got that from that story. Well, we're both dog owners, you we know? Are. Like, and I would expect our Except- dogs would do the same thing. Uh, Char would just hide under the bed. No, he wouldn't. Yeah. He would be there and he'd be fighting. When I dropped off your business cards, he was barking and a growling until he saw it was me. Uh, yeah, and then he... Uh, and then he licked the window. So there's there's a space between the couch and the window, and now he's really cautious because if he gets too excited, he falls between it. <laughs> he's done it once. We came home from work and he was stuck between the couch and the window. And he's just looking at us like, like the... Dear Lord, Guys, help me. If we haven't said it, Brad has a really tiny Chihuahua slash pug mix. That just looks like a miniature pug. It, it is a miniature pug, and you already know pugs are small. And this thing looks like one of the critters from Critters. Like, that's how small it is. He's a little, we call him a pug tato. He looks like a little potato. <laughs> that poor little guy. <laughs> Anyways, here's Log Cabin. I lived in an old house that was part Log Cabin. My mom and dad bought it off my great-grandmother in the year 2002. It needed a little work done to it, but in no time we fixed it up. The old part of the house was built in the late 1800s. We knew the house was thought to have a ghost. I did not believe it. My grandmom was psychic. The family thought that she was just seeing things. But one night, one of her sons was staying all night with her. He was asleep on an old couch. He woke up from a bad dream. 
he saw a woman grabbing him by the neck. As he sat there, his mom got up, came in the living room, and told him to get that girl off her couch right now. She even knew what the girl looked like. Well, right then and there, he pushed the old couch out the door. When we moved in, nothing happened right away. But one day, she told my dad she saw an old woman in an old-style dress in the living room. The house caught on fire the next day. We fixed it back up. Then I moved from upstairs to downstairs because I could not sleep. I was not sure what was in the room with me when I was the only person home. I swear I could hear footsteps and it felt like someone was watching me all the time. About three years later, my dad had a breakdown. A bad breakdown. He was psychic like grandma. One night, my mom saw a big black bird flying a window, but the window was closed. A few nights later, the old house caught fire again. We sold the house to a man who said he was going to fix it up to live in, but he stopped fixing it up. I wonder about it to this day. It has been 12 years and no one lives in it. Ooh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably a good reason nobody lives in that house, dear. Um, It's because it's haunted. Yep. And apparently likes to catch fire randomly. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Something I, I've always wondered about is they, they talk about whenever they see ghosts, they're always in old-timey clothing, right? Mm-hmm. Was there just like a th- like, like, where where's like the Native American ghost, or even like where's the guy that died in the 1980s, or the guy in the 1990s? <laughs> you know, wearing his new kids on the block shirt. I think because of the idea of the old-timey. All right, I'm going to go into another theory here. My theory is the reason that we see a lot of these ghosts in old-timey wear is that we don't know what they really look like. So when they manifest themselves, they manifest themselves based on our idea of what they might look like. Well, here, here's an, I'm going to add another theory on top of that. You know, we talk a lot about um, unlocking something in your brain. Mm-hmm. What if that's the reason why other people can't see? Because we've unlocked something that this energy... What if we're not f- like physically seeing it? It's like a mind hologram. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a mental image. Like our eyes are seeing it because yeah. our mind has been unlocked to accept that energy. You know, out west, um, there's a lot of stories of the apparitions of Native Americans mm-hmm. because of the Great Indian War and all that stuff. It was mm-hmm. very brutal. And then out this way, it wasn't brutal as so much. So maybe that's why we don't see as many Native American spirits here. But we did have the Civil War fought through this entire area, one of the most brutal wars in well, history. I mean, you know, like what about the early, you know, cavemen or, or well, I mean, I guess cavemen weren't over here, but um, the early peoples that came across, you know, things like that. Oh, or, yeah. or like I said, somebody died in, in 1995 and is wearing an NSYNC shirt, you know, like <laughs> where's that ghost at? But like, oh my God, I saw him. His name was Frank. You know, and he's wearing an NSYNC shirt. I got records right here that shows that he died. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It it could just be the evolution of our quote-unquote spirit or consciousness of energy. Well, and that's what I was saying. I was like, what if it takes some time for that energy to be able to manipulate itself? Yeah. That was my point. Okay. Was, you know, that maybe in like... 50 years from now, they are going to see old-timey clothes where mm-hmm. it's, you know, somebody in a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm dressed right now. We'll be yeah. Old-timey hoodie and slacks. Something something to think about, Blanket Huggers. Something, something to think about. Just go ahead. I want you all to uh, open your diaries, write your thoughts, and then email them to us. Dear Diary, I wish Brad would stop telling me what to do. <laughs> However, I am scared of this ghost that I am seeing that is wearing an Atari t-shirt. <laughs> Just make sure you send it to Fearscape Stories at WCHQFM.com. That's right. Uh, so the next story we have comes from Ghosts Across Kentucky again. Uh, this one, uh, these are always, I think, the weirdest titled uh, <laughs> stories, but he calls it the ghost-like, the ghost-like creature that frightened mules. <laughs> They're not very creative titles. No offense, <laughs> Mr. Montel. You scared my mule. Yeah, you wait. You wait. Listen. <laughs> Let me tell you what me and Fred Razner done one time. We seen this thing. Will Jackson was making me a moonshine still, and he could make one too. Let me tell you, that was back in the late 1920s when I used to follow that kind of business. Well, me and Fred rode mules over to Will Jackson's one night way in the night. We got over yonder by the Rich Dunham Cave, and all at once one of my mules just started snorting 
and then it began to run. Now let me tell you right now, something passed us, and it was just a flying. And here comes Fred after me. He asked, what'd you see? I told him, God, I don't know. I ain't never seen nothing. Let's go back, but my mule, I can't do nothing with it. Well, we like to have never got our mules back down there just as we did. There goes the ghost-like thing just kind of walking slowly across the road. And believe it or not, that Fred Rasner got down off that mule to hunting himself a big old rock. He said to me, Jim, I can't find nothing. And I said, well, get on up from there. Ain't no telling what that thing is. So about that time, my mule swirled around again and his and start. So Fred jumped up and on it and was riding it down the road. We went on down to Will Jackson's to get that big 30-gallon moonshine still, and I put it up in the front of me and there on the saddle. When we started off down the road, the mules saw the thing again, whatever it was. Now, you ain't never heard such a racket coming up out of that road. It scared them mules to death. After we got home, Fred wanted to go back over there to this spot that same night. And then we did see it. The scariest thing I ever did see in my whole life. It was black. Just right down black. Couldn't even see through it. And it was a great big old thing. And that's the only ghostly thing I ever seen in my whole life. And whatever it was scared us and them mules to death. See, I was instantly thinking Chupacabra until we you said it being huge. And then I'm like, Squatch. Squatch. <laughs> And if it's nighttime, I mean, it might be mistaken. Squatch looking for Squash. Squatch, I mean, you know, we've already got the dog man here. He's looking for his homie. You know, and I told you in, uh, was it Green County or Taylor County? One of those, there were two Yeti sightings back in 1898. Oh, yeah. Um, that I'd seen, which isn't far from this. Uh, so. Gosh. <laughs> you this got is the idea of just a big, dark entity in the middle of the night. It's, oh, man scary thing about I just it. don't you know and you know he says he couldn't see through it so I mean if it was a squatch still scary because you know get on out yeah because it big it could it big um, but man I just <laughs> I, <laughs> what if it wasn't a squatch like what if it was a ghoul Ooh, I didn't think about that you know or something along those lines or uh, you know we talk about black we haven't gotten spirits into possibly being demonic yeah you know it was enough to scare the mules but you know, from what I've read about Squatch, they love to eat like deer and, and elk and things like that. Wouldn't put it past See, eating. A... I've heard that Squatches are vegetarians. I've heard, I've heard that too. omnivores. Oh, okay, so both. Yep, they they eat both because they're essentially close well, to human. I'll invite them over for a cookout. I like to put Squash on my grill. Put not Squash, Squatch. I'm not going to put a Squatch on the grill. It won't fit. With squash, you ever just get some zucchini, some squash, pepper it up, season it real good, and grill it? Yeah, that's what squash loves. Nope, <laughs> I don't like I don't like zucchini. Anyways, this one now this this you ain't one. You had my kini then. No, I ain't, I ain't, I don't want to see you in your kini. Um, <laughs> so this one is another one uh, from the Ghost Across Kentucky. Uh, now this title I like. It was called Now That Was a Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that's. That, that's that's a dang game show. Yep. <laughs> now that was a ghost. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so this now that was a ghost. My granddaddy, Dr. Billy Richardson, always rode a big brown horse, the prettiest thing you ever laid your eyes on. I never saw it, but did see the pictures of it. When people back then got sick, they would send someone on a horse to grandfather's house and ask him to come see their sick old family member. Grandfather would get ready to go on a trip. He'd just get up on his horse and then go. Well, back then, he loaded medicine and personal items, such as his money and a saddlebag instead of a pillbox. He'd load one side of the saddlebag up with pills, and he'd always take some of these sugar pills with him. And if this person who thought they were sick didn't really have anything wrong with them, well, he'd, he'd give them some of them sugar pills instead of medicine. Sometimes he'd be gone two to three weeks at a time before he ever went back home. People would just stop him at every house. The only communication they had back then was by mouth. So he'd go to this house, and they would tell him that Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so wanted him to come to the doctor them too. Well, when he got there, they'd tell him that someone else wanted him. And then, well, you see, the word just spread through the community that the doctor was in town, and people would send for him to come see them next. Well... When Granddaddy would ride his horse and get up on that in that area, that's when he'd see 
or hear these ghosts and things that would start happening. As I already said, he put his medicine in one side of his saddlebag and he put his money up on the other side. He did this because if people were going to pay him, they'd give him cash right then. Everybody in the county knew that he'd go home with that other side of the saddlebag pocket full of money. On one of his trips, it was raining. He said it was raining cats and dogs. I never will forget him saying that. He said that it was a thundering and a lightning and that the lightning was striking the ground right there beside him. Well, he knew where his house was, or this house, excuse me, where it was, and it was on this little log road that he was traveling on. And when he got to it, he went into this building and took his horse in there too. He sat over in the corner on a box. When it would lightning in one corner, he could see something over in the other corner. Every time a bolt of lightning would strike, he would see this ghost-like thing, but it would never move. He kept thinking to himself, well, it'll shoot me in a minute, whatever it is, and they'll rob me because they know I carry money when I travel through here. He said, my hair was standing straight up on my head. And all at once, the lightning just stopped. And whatever it did, whatever it was there in the corner, just got up and walked away. I never did know what or who it was. And then he'd always end his stories by saying, Now children, now that was a ghost. Now that was a ghost. Brought to you by William Linwood Montel from Ghosts Across Kentucky. I was gonna like I mentally had like a clap sound in my head Live studio audience type thing Well I mean you and I are both here Yay <laughs> Well that worked out uh, That was pretty cool man Like you know It's funny cause it sets up as if he's gonna get robbed Yeah kinda Like they really spend the time to talk about how he's gonna get robbed <laughs> And then he then he doesn't get robbed All I'm thinking about the whole time is just He's getting robbed <laughs> yeah, and I so I'm thinking, and I guess I guess the point was is that he thought he was going to get robbed too. But that was a ghost. So the next one uh, we got another one from the book uh, Ghosts Across Kentucky, uh, and uh, it is the Indian. What is it called? The Indian Graveyard Lights. The Indian Graveyard Lights. Yeah. So. The house over here on the state line where my grandmother and two uncles used to live has always had the name of being spooky. No one ever knew what these ghostly lights and things were all about until one day when my grandfather plowed up some Indian bowls and cups. And believe it or not, he also plowed up some bones. He didn't know that a graveyard was at that spot on the ground. There must have been Indians buried there, and I guess there were Indian bones that were plowed up. One night as my uncle was coming home from Salina, Tennessee, he saw a light going around the old house where he lived. Scared, he went running into the house and told my grandmother and my uncle what he had seen. They didn't know what to think or do. The next day, they told a neighbor lady about the weird light. And she told them that this was not the first time that someone had seen strange lights around the house. This lady went on to say that on some nights, you could stand on the front porch of the house and see a ghost-like light over the hill. I was in the house the night my uncle saw this light. I'm glad I didn't know this then, because I would have freaked out. Do you suppose that this old house they lived in was built over some Indian graves? People say that if you build over a grave, that person's spirit will come back to haunt you. Because it will. Yeah. That's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, well, Indian the movie ghosts. Poltergeist, that's what it's all about. But it's not even just Native American ghosts. I mean, we talked about, I think we shared my story here. Yeah, on the where we shared stories with each other mm-hmm. um, about, you know, the old man of yeah, my house. The, now, I don't know that, that that's necessarily his grave because he. I don't think he was buried there. But so that's where he died. Yeah, that's where he died. So very similar. But yeah, I mean, that's a big problem. It's oh, yeah. a big problem to this day is that, you know, cities grow mm-hmm. and they just put these houses right over the old graveyard and they say they move them but come on do they, they obviously don't yeah how often do they not that's that's the question and you know i mean in that movie poltergeist has always scared me you know not even not even not even gonna lie you know <laughs> like, i accidentally turned it on when i was nine years old 
I thought it was just a cool movie. And then uh, Nightmares pursued forever. Uh, so we have another headless story. Oh, we had one of those in Madera County, didn't we? Yeah, there's almost... I told you, Kentucky has so many headless ghost stories. <laughs> uh, and so the last one was... Uh, what was it? Harry Webb Hollow? I think right? so. Yeah, because I, I thought it was like Sleepy Hollow for some well, reason. Well, apparently this one is the headless woman of Benton Hollow. There's something about these hollows. Yeah, so stay out of hollers, or folks. hollers. Yeah, stay out of hollers. Uh, but anyways... Uh, This is that story, once again, from Ghosts Across Kentucky. Not more than half a mile from where we're sitting right now is a hollow. It goes by the name of Benton Hollow. There's a particular legend about this place, a legend called the Headless Woman of Benton Hollow. It seems to be that on certain nights, a headless woman appears and canters about, always within a certain vicinity and always looking for her head. I think that this legend originated decades ago, more than likely... Probably about a hundred years ago. This part of Monroe County was still a little bit wild at the time. The legend claims that a young couple came through this part of the country on their way to a certain parcel of land which they had probably obtained from the government. Anyway, during their journey, they went through Benton Hollow. As they went through here, an accident occurred for which no reason was ever provided. During the accident, the young bride and groom were both killed. And in fact, nobody ever knew who did it or... Why, or even when? They did know that the how part, however, as the young bride lost her head. Some local residents found their bodies a few weeks later, quite decayed by that time. The peculiar thing was that the groom, while being quite dead, was still totally intact. But the bride? She was decapitated. A vigorous search took place all through the vicinity looking for her lost head. But they never did find any clues to explain this gruesome murder, and nobody knew just what to do about it. They took the two bodies and buried them nearby as quickly as possible. Now, according to the old legend, on certain nights the young woman in spirit form still comes back from the unmarked grave looking for a suitable head. Many has been the poor traveler who was scared out of his wits when he passed through Benton Hollow. They see the headless woman's ghost always dressed in a dull black gown and always carrying a dull butcher knife. The people of this neighborhood still believe this story, and as for me, I remember when I used to walk to the old Mount Hermon school, I would walk through Benton Hollow. In the wintertime, the days were short, the sun would be getting low, and the hollow would be getting dark. As I went through there, quite hastily, I remember reciting the 23rd Psalm as it always seemed to comfort me. Now that's one legend that will live on and on. Whether the poor lady will ever find her head or not, that's a question that still perplexes people through here. So she's just trying to get ahead in life, you know? (laughs) So what's... uh, Wait, hold on. So a dull black dress and a dull butcher knife? Yeah. Well, she's using the butcher knife because she wants to hack somebody's head off. Oh, so she's trying to... Okay, kind of like Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Where he's trying to get somebody's head. Give me your head. I would like your head. I just, the whole idea of being headless just scares me. Well, you wouldn't see it coming. That's rude. (laughs) Uh, I do like it, though, because so many stories has a woman in white. Mm -hmm. She's in black. black. What if that was the black figure, figure that the guy saw with the mules? But he said it was massive. No, he just said a black figure. No, he said a massive black Whatever. figure. She, you, who said, why do you assume that a woman's skinny and, and tiny? Listeners, who's right? She could have been six foot nine. This comment, is Kentucky. There's a lot of tall, tall people. She could have been six foot nine and 400 pounds. This is Stefan's phone number. I want you to call him. Nope. <laughs> Moving on. Another story <laughs> from Ghosts Across Kentucky. The Rose Lady in the Graveyard. Ooh, I bet she's wearing rose colors. Or she's a lady made of roses. That feels less likely. Well, she could have been a parade float. She was a parade float? I don't know. I want you to think about the things you said. I do. (laughs) All right. Monroe County does love its ghost stories. A place especially involved with such goings-on and things that go bump in the night is a little place called Little Sulphur Creek. That's out on the uh, River Road, not far from Tompkinsville. I'm still amused by all the stories my ancestors, who originated in that part of the county, told me when I was a little boy. A lot of my people are buried over there. But one of the most romantic yet peculiar stories was about the Rose Lady and her little girl. 
That's one of the few accounted for stories that's come down to family members across the years. Now here's the way my family always told it. A gentleman one day was plowing his field, a field I've even walked across many a time. Plowing his cornfield to be exact. Up above this cornfield on a hill in an old cemetery, one of the oldest in this county. One of the dated gravestones goes back well beyond the Civil War. Most all the graves go back to the 19th century. In fact, the last burial there was in 1912, and that was my great-great-grandmother Brown. As the story goes, the gentleman was plowing his field of corn. He happened to look up toward the graveyard when all of a sudden he saw a lady and a small girl standing there in the cemetery. They were standing by one of the old, old tomb rocks. The woman was quite beautiful, and the reason she was called the Rose Lady was that the dress she was wearing was the color of roses. And so was the little girl's dress. Their ghostly apparitions took the old gentleman by surprise. In fact, he was so surprised that he hesitated to plow his field anymore until he was able to calm himself down and investigate what he had been seeing standing there by the old gravestone. Well, he was known as a level-headed man, so after he had paused for a few minutes, he began plowing a bit closer to the Rose Lady and the little girl. He watched them as they seemed to sway to and fro as they walked away from the graves. They were either admiring the beautiful scenery or were perhaps looking at the graves of their departed loved ones. Now the peculiar fact is this. That was in the 1910s when this all took place. But the lady was dressed definitely in a hooped skirt of the Civil War period. And so was the little girl, whose ghostly spirit was there with her, appropriately dressed in pantalettes and a short skirt. But it was a hooped skirt. Well, the gentleman kept plowing closer. He drove his mules a little closer, then a little closer, and a little closer. Finally, he became frightened. The ghost-like figures appeared to be getting more real as he got closer to them. In fact, he was thinking about calling out to this lady to see if she would answer him back. Instead, he mustered the courage to walk right up to the Rose Lady and her daughter. As he got closer, man, did he ever feel stupid. He could see how wrong he had been thinking that he was seeing a woman and her daughter. Truth of the matter is, instead of being a Rose Lady and her daughter, there was nothing but a rose bush entangled with another rose bush which had been gently swaying in the wind. That particular story has lived on for more than 50 years. Yet some people there at Little Sulphur Creek claim that the rose bush has long since been dead, yet the rose lady can still be seen at certain times during the year. This same cemetery that is so enhanced with family history sometimes invokes terror to anyone who walks by. It is said that they see ghostly specters hopping and scampering around. These are the ghosts of others that have been laid to rest there for more than 70 years. Puddin. Puddin. Debunked. Debunked? Just a rosebush. No, that, but people are seeing it and the rosebush is gone. Uh, I thought they said it's been dead, not gone. Still, if it's dead, it's not blooming. So. Optical illusion. You know, like, here's the thing, though. What did we talk about, like, earlier about um, being in older clothing? Yeah, when you said hoop skirt, I don't know why I thought poodle skirts. And I thought we were like about to go into some time travel stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> this was the 1910s, and she was wearing a pencil skirt from whatever time that was from. I can't remember. <laughs> you know, that one time with Uncle Time. All right, let's do one more story here uh, before we get into our listener story. But this is uh, f- our last one from the ghost across Kentucky, the ghost of an Indian. Sam Smith's great-uncle, Arch Smith, and Ike Barksdale, who was a fellow worker with Arch, they were driving a team of big mules that were pulling a road wagon down Kettle Creek here in southeastern Monroe County. I mean, this is a beautiful country now, and it was back then. Anyway, they were going down Kettle Creek in this wagon, and it was after dark. As they were passing by this Indian graveyard, located on Harm Wells Farm, a white, ghostly figure appeared suddenly. They both saw it, and they both said, Howdy do, sir! There was no answer. But whatever this ghost thing was, kept right alongside them as they traveled down the creek. They were in the wagon, and it was walking along beside them. But all of a sudden, it jumped up onto the wagon and stood on the back end of it. Uncle Arch spoke again. Howdy do, sir? Still, no response. 
By this time, Uncle Arch and Ike were really getting concerned. Well, Uncle Arch decided to be Big Pete. He told Ike to give him the whip, said. I'll find out why he doesn't want to speak to us. Ike gave Arch the whip, and Arch flashed out at the white figure standing there in the back of the wagon. Whatever the thing was just stepped off the wagon and disappeared. Soon it appeared again right next to the wagon. Both of them spoke to it again. Howdy do, sir. Again, there was no response. So after the third time of getting nowhere with this white ghost-like figure, they both became frightened for their very lives. Uncle Arch told Ike to give the mules the lines, that is, speed them up. Well, they almost ran those mules to death, since it was close to four miles that they made them run at full speed. Uncle Arch and Ike are both dead now, but they both told this story for fact as long as they lived. Harm Wells is also dead, but he told my husband Sam Smith that he, too, many times had seen something after dark near the Indian graveyard there on his farm. Howdy do, sir. That was Would you like to up. buy an encyclopedia? That was cracking <laughs> <laughs> It was cracking me up, I'm not going to lie. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, so... Uh, the fact that he was like, I'm going to hit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Howdy do, sir. Oh, Howdy, man. North. I just love how he's like, all right, I'm going to give him for the bit. The fact that he tried to hit it, it got off the wagon, disappeared, and then it came up again. He was like, oh, howdy do. You yeah. back? All right. Oh, well, my bad. Uh, <laughs> let's try this again. You've been thinking about that Y edition of the encyclopedia? <laughs> the Y edition. We've got the Snoopy one for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the last one that I've got here is I reached out to a friend of mine that I knew is from Tompkinsville, I did, which I didn't know was Monroe County. Um, when I found that out, I asked if they had a story, and they indeed did have a listener story for Ooh. us, um, which is cool because it comes from Monroe County. So tying it all together. Um, putting a bow on it. Putting a bow on it. Uh, but yeah, um, so, you know, anybody else that has listener stories, we want them. Give it. They don't have to be grand. They don't have to be great. They can be short. We can read two or three if we've got three short ones. It can be a sentence that says, I saw a ghost. Not yeah. Yet. Well, we'll no, we want a little bit more, but we'll still say... I'll read it. Listener Frank said he saw a ghost. Yeah, I mean, I'll, still, I'll say it. <laughs> but yeah, we really want your stories. Just go ahead and type them up to us. They don't, they don't have to be fancy. If you want us to rewrite them to kind of be a little more dramatized, we can do that. Uh, but yeah, send those to us to Stories at WCHQFM.com. Just make sure that they are radio-friendly. If not, yeah. we'll we'll change some. Yeah, words. we'll be changing some words out, um, and we may actually use them on our podcast too. You can't really, say really possum good. on the radio. Well, you can. Oh, but uh, people don't like it. Oh, sorry yeah. guys. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Okay, so yeah, but send those stories to uh, like I said, Fearscape Stories at wchqfm.com. Whew, yeah. So where can <laughs> they find us on social media? On the social medias, you can find. Brad, Stefan, and even Kelly Ghosty Casey on the Twitters, the Instagrams, and the Facebook at Fearscape Pod. And if you want to get to know us a little better, Stefan and I do improv comedy on the side. You can find that at Sidetracked Improv. And if you want to get in touch with me, like, you know, just want to hang out or something, you know, maybe grab a ginger ale, you can find me at Bzilla underscore comedy on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Right. And uh, if you want to get up and close and personal with me and send your own story because you're afraid Brad's going to laugh at you, just uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Improv is Law. We also perform, like we said, a sidetracked improv uh, every first Saturday of the month at the Bardstown on 1801 Bardstown Road. Those are at 10 p.m. Shows are $10. Uh, You can pay cash at the door if you want to. $10. And we do our signature long form, Fearscape. Oh, I've been calling it Fartscape. Nope, that's a different one. Oh, whoops, sorry. So anyways, uh, we're going to get right into our listener story. Uh, my friend didn't want to, you know, say the name. Uh, so she is going by Allie. So, uh, but this this is Allie's story. Ghosts? I've never believed in them myself, but one day I walked by my son's room and heard him talking. And I could have swore I saw something out of the corner of my eye, but I just thought it was my imagination. 
But days passed on and it was the same thing. Then one morning I got worried and told my husband that I thought there was a ghost playing with our son. He didn't believe me. He thought I was crazy. So I just let it go. Then Sunday morning I was making breakfast and our son, Kyle, his room was nasty. So Jerry, my husband, heard a noise in Kyle's room and thought it was him. And so he yelled his name and told him to clean his room, but he wouldn't listen. So Jerry said it a few more times, but he wouldn't listen. So he said, Kyle, if I have to come back up there, it won't be pretty. And that's when I realized that earlier that morning, Kyle went outside to play in the backyard. So I pulled back the curtain and saw Kyle out there so two weeks after that, we moved. We never went back there, and apparently the ghost didn't follow because Kyle doesn't even remember that there was a ghost or that, that he always played with it. But on one usual night, I was spending the night with my grandparents in Monroe County. I was the only kid there and the only person sleeping upstairs at about midnight. I woke up to a strange noise coming from downstairs, of course. And this was an old house, so I thought it, nothing of it until the noise wouldn't stop. So I walked downstairs and I heard a baby crying. Like I said, I was the only kid there. But still I looked everywhere and I couldn't find the baby. I figured out it was coming from underneath the staircase. So I ran to my grandparents' room like any other kid would have. I guess what I'm trying to say is that you should always prepare to expect the unexpected. Check, please. Yeah. Whew. That that one, baby crying. That one scares me. Always. Yeah, baby, baby crying is never a good sign. It's never a good sign. Check on the baby. Yep. Anyways, that's our time. On that, I'm just gonna say goodbye. This has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. And it's Brad. Hold those blankets extra tight. Good night, folks. <laughs>